Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look forward to events that will be making news in the days ahead. I'm Robert Miller. It's crunch time for the US Federal Reserve, or is it? The American Central Bank is meeting and will be finding out whether China's devaluation may affect the timing of any rate rise. And what's to be done about the chronic housing shortage in Britain? And perhaps more importantly for many, what does it mean for investors in the hitherto popular house builders? I'm joined by Richard Fletcher, business editor of The Times, Catherine Hopkins, our property correspondent, and on the line from New York, The Times US business editor, Alexandra Freen. A warm welcome to you all and thanks for being here. Alexandra Freen in New York, let's start with you. When we spoke on this podcast previously, you thought September would see an interest rate rise from the Federal Reserve. Have you changed your view? Well, it's not just uh, me who's changed their view. I mean, what a difference a week makes. This time last week, markets priced a a September rate rise in at about 56% likelihood. That has now fallen to 40% likelihood due to uh, the weakening of the Chinese currency. And so opinion has really shifted just in the space of a few days. Before, there's been talk of uh, when America was doing quantitative easing, the Chinese accused them of uh, currency manipulation. Now the Americans are doing the same about China. Is that likely to cause uh, ructions on on the wider diplomatic and, and commercial front? I think nobody really knows. We've got to see how further how much further the Chinese currency weakens. And um, if, if it falls much further and if the dollar strengthens much further, then that might happen. But nobody really knows where this is going. So I think we've got to wait and see on that, that one. I mean, I think one of the problems that, that I see is that the Federal Reserve is waiting for this sort of so-called perfect moment uh, where it can be free of domestic and international uncertainty and all the all the stars align and bam, it can raise rates. That's never going to happen. There's always going to be something that, that gets in the way. And the danger, if it doesn't raise interest rates in September, is that it sort of gets stuck in this endless feedback loop of waiting for that perfect moment that's never going to arrive. And how it then gets out of that, I don't know. Alex, it's Richard. Am I, am I allowed to call you Alex? Is, 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 are we allowed to? Is that too informal Everybody for the podcast? Everybody calls me Alex. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just how strong is the uh, US economy? Because obviously that is, I know obviously it's China which has given people the wobbles uh, in the last uh, few days. But it, it really does come down to whether the Fed believes the economy is strong enough, doesn't it? And what's the evidence? I mean, obviously, what's the evidence we've had on that? We've had retail sales, haven't we? What, 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 what is, what's the feeling in, in New York? Well, if, if they were just basing it on the performance of the US 
economy, it'd be a no-brainer. Rates would go up in September. The Fed has repeatedly said they're looking for, quote, some further improvement, unquote, in the labour market. And they've seen that. Uh, little by little, the jobs numbers are going up. Uh, number of jobs available is falling as, as more and more people are, are filling vacancies. So based purely on the employment side, rates should go up. Uh, they are still undershooting their 2% inflation target, but that's really been the thing that's, that's held them back. But th- there still is a feeling that um, that could hold them back, really, if the, if the dollar strengthens further, because that could hit inflation. And is there much political anger in uh, the US about the Chinese devaluation? Obviously, the whole idea of currency wars and, and China's, uh, you know, ch- China's um, foreign exchange policy in the past has has been a bit of a, uh, an issue in the US, hasn't it? Have we, have we seen much anger this week from politicians? No, interesting not yet. Um, I think people are waiting to see that may come, but it hasn't really surfaced yet. We've just come to the end or the tail end, Alex, of the earnings season, which we've talked about before. Looking through the interest rate rise, what sort of state do you see the market coming back from their holidays in? A state of great uncertainty. I mean, if you if you look at uh, what's been happening in markets up one day, down the next, I, I think everything hinges on, on on the Federal Reserve now. People have almost become obsessed by it. And, you know, earnings season was not great. And one of the big reasons for that was the strength of the dollar hit a lot of companies uh, with international sales. And and so that has, that has been a, a big dampener on, on results. So um, I think the only way to describe the mood in the market is, is one of huge uncertainty. And, and Alex, it's Catherine here, and sorry to bring the conversation back to interest rates again, but, but is it the general consensus still in the US that the Fed will move before the Bank of England? Because that, that's certainly the feeling here, although it does change week by week. I was just on holiday last week, and I thought it couldn't possibly change again, but the, but the forward guidance did. Um, yes, no, that, that very much is, is the consensus view that, um, that the UK will follow some months, maybe six months after after the Fed. Just sort of lurking on the horizon now, we have talked now of, of, of various presidential candidates. Does that mean to say that a lot of stuff goes, the political will, if you like, goes into hiatus? So it's going to be very difficult in the future for markets to try and glean what the next direction of US policy will be. That's, that's a really depressing thought, but I think it is quite a realistic one that um, although the next election is not until November 2016, that's November 2016, we're in this sort of weird pre-election period dominated right now by the Republican uh, race for the nomination. And um, it's extraordinary to me how little the debate has focused on on the economy and um, how much it has distracted attention from these serious economic issues. Am I allowed to shout go round at this point? You can. You can. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fan, are you? Well, not exactly. But but it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because there is the politic, the, the, the economy hasn't really uh, come into the debate at all, has it? It's been all about other issues. It's, it's been dominated by other issues and personalities to date, hasn't it? The Republican uh, campaign. I mean, it, it is extraordinary. You know, the big issue has been uh, immigration and illegal immigration. I mean, people do, jobs has featured as an issue in the, in, in the, in the economy, but in, in the political debates, but but only in a sort of uh, make-believe way, with candidates saying, "Well, you know, uh, Jeb Bush, for example, saying, well, if if I were president, I'm going to grow the economy by four percent a year,' as if you can make that happen just by saying it." And who's your bet? Um, who's your who should I be having a little punt on to to win the nomination? The, the Republican nomination, yeah. 
Whoa. Well, it's it's wide open, but I guess I would put my money on... Well, it's my money, but let's... <laughs> I would put your money on someone who's really trailing right now, maybe Marco Rubio. Yes, he was trailed once before. Well, we'll be keeping a close watch on that. And uh, perhaps closer to home, let's move on to the housing market and Catherine Hopkins, our property correspondent, who, who's here at the moment. Catherine, I suppose, first of all, we keep on hearing, apart from the daily dose of house price uh, chatter, what about housing supply, though? That seems to be causing a serious issue at the moment. Yeah, I have to start with an apology because every time I come in here, I talk about the same thing and I sound like a broken record. But I have to say it again. We've had no improvement in supply yet again. A report from the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors reported today um, that it had hit a new record low. And and there doesn't seem like that's going to change in the next few months. And that is um, pushing house prices up further because demand is increasing. Catherine, what is, what's the picture nationally? Because we obviously get quite, uh, that we live in London, we become, well, some of us become quite obsessed about London house prices, but the picture in London and outside of London is now quite different, isn't it, in terms of actually London is, is now underperforming the rest of the country, isn't it? Is, is that right? Yeah, there are certain markets that have overtaken London um, in the past few months in terms of house price growth. They are still mainly in, in the south, so southeast, southwest, th- those kind of places. And, and it is the north where affordability is best. So, so if we are going to see some sort of correction, we're, we are looking at, I mean, people look at affordability levels, don't they? We're more likely to see that in the south than in, and particularly in London, than we are in the rest of the country. Is that right? Yes, I think that's right. Although it is quite hard to tell what's going on in London at the moment and different sets of data keep telling us different things. But I think it's fair to say um, the, the top end of the market is pretty dead um, at the moment, especially on the, on the back of all the stamp duty changes. But the, the the middle the middle part it, it could still rise again it's i think it's going to take a few months data for us to really see what's going on there but but i wouldn't say that's dead yet and, and obviously in the budget we saw the changes the chancellor made to uh, the taxation uh, you know the tax treatment of uh, interest on buy to let mortgages didn't we which is going to yeah. come in obviously not come into effect until 2017 but are we getting any feel for how i mean if you're a buy to let investor at the moment on the horizon you can see that your the taxation you see this tax change which obviously is going to change the numbers you can obviously see that uh, you know you're going to see some sort of rise in interest rates do we get any feel for the effect that's having on uh, buy to let investors is there, are there signs that some of them are deciding actually time to uh, move on to something else or do people still have this incredible trust in bricks and mortar are safer than shares or bonds or or any other investments? I think that's definitely made a lot of current buy to let landlords and those who are thinking of entering the market think twice and all, all the trade bodies that, that represent these people are warning that, that people will pull out and that that will limit choice and could actually push rents up. And that would obviously have more of an effect, we think, at the sort of the one and two bedroom flat end of the market than on family homes. Is that right? Because yes, that's yeah. where I think I think that's right, and obviously it's going to cause more of a problem in places like London. And sorry to keep bringing it back to, to the capital, but but that's where rents are so high already, and people struggle to to save money to buy a house. Are so very reliant on the rental sector. And I know we had a report in the paper at the, at the beginning of the week, uh, or the beginning of last week, depending on when you're listening to this fantastic podcast. But uh, that the basically there is this gap, isn't there, between 
families trying to make that jump from the, their starter home, if you like, or the, the second or third uh, home, you know, the one, two bedroom flat, trying to make that jump up to the family home. Is that is that a problem for the market? Because there is this there, there was this huge supply, isn't there, of, of, of one and two bedroom flats, partly because of what happened in the boom and partly because of what of, of the, the sort of new supply coming on. But there is a shortage of family homes. And is that creating a sort of two tier market? Yes, it is, because then it is very difficult for these people to, to make the next move. And then they're basically staying where they are, which is further exacerbating the supply problem. Alex, if I could bring you in here on the line from New York, we're obsessed with housing. Are Americans feeling the same way, do you think? Well, they are, but it's a very different picture in the United States because they don't have the same issues of housing supply. That said, you know, housing prices have gone up by about 8% overall uh, in the second quarter in the United States. And that is mainly a supply issue. The, the bottleneck in the States is really in the starter homes. There, there aren't enough homes for first-time buyers. And that, that's what has put the pressure on prices overall. Alex, um, sorry, it's Catherine again. Um, quite a lot of the builders now are starting to try and think about the private rental sector in the UK and a lot of institutional investors are starting to come in. What, what's that like in, in the US? Is, is that a still, still a really huge part of um, the housing market right, right across the country? Well, it's really interesting because right now renting in America has never been more expensive. Um, there's new figures out from the, the Zillow group showing that that um, rental affordability is steadily worsened at the same time as house prices are going up. Um, and that's partly because mortgage lenders are becoming much stricter in, in handing out mortgages to first-time buyers. So there, there is this very sort of odd juxtaposition of house prices going up and rents going up at the same time. Alex, I wanted to ask you, do private investors over here, they're seen as great income stocks and a good play uh, for the market generally. Is, is, is that the case over there in America? A lot of private investors actually hold house builders and house stocks. Yes. And I mean, th there's been a lot of interest also in um, commercial real estate, uh, which has been a, a, a huge, uh, almost a bit of a bubble right now in the, in the States. That has also attracted a lot of investor interest. What about over here, Catherine? And we've got real estate investment trusts that were set up really specifically for private investors. Have we reached the top of the market or not, as far as investors are concerned? In terms of house builders, I, I don't think we have. I think there's still quite a bit to go. Um, they all reported very strong results and um, a lot handed out um, good dividends in, in, the last, um, in the last financial year. And, and I think there's more to go. Um, that there are a couple of factors that, that could affect housing market activity. And the main one being is an interest rate rise. We're getting very mixed signals when that could be. Mark Carney recently signalled that it would be at the end of the year and then the, the bank said, I think last week, that it may not be now until the middle of next year. So the house builders, which, which, is, which is your favourite pick of the house builders? Which one should I be punting on? I've got my punt from Alex for the uh, presidential Republican nominee. I just... um, I'd, I could... I'm going to suggest three, if that's okay. And oh, spread your bets. <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll speak quickly. Um, but that would be Barrett, Barclay, and Cress Nicholson. And and the last one is because it's really getting into the PRS sector, and I think that's going to be very interesting. That's the public rented sector. Yes. So how so are they the doing private that? Rented sector. Um, they are getting involved, I think, um, with an institutional investor, and I forget which one. Um, but but they're starting to to build a lot of of that. Well, there's a lot of tips there for the 
the Fletcher family fortune. Let's hope they pay off. Anyway, thanks to you all. And that's about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all the financial news on the Pop-Up Business Now live blog. That's on our website. And if you are a Time subscriber, sign up for our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you don't have a subscription, this is still a special £1 offer. And you'll find that by going to thetimes.co.uk. If you want to hear us weekly, well, simply subscribe through iTunes. My thanks there to Alexandra Freen, Catherine Hopkins and Richard Fletcher, the newly enriched Richard Fletcher, we hope. They're all on Twitter, so do follow them and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.